0: see my favorite show just closed.
1: I know.
0: 76 trombones hit the counterpoint. It's a sad day for all of us. I hate that show so much, but eventually it gets into um, something 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 join the parade. Segway, parade's going to Broadway.
1: I thought I was going to hit the home run, Ryan.
0: Welcome to by the ghost light. I'm Ryan. <laughs>
1: i'm cassie i was promised a slugger
0: sorry He's like, i'm gonna uh, set
1: you up and then gonna you gonna can take you it up. home
0: uh okay uh all right we will do it this way then um oh no i'm so very sad because i'm going to prison for something i didn't do it's les mis no wait it's
1: parade which is transferring to broadway that was awkward ryan
0: it was parades so
1: transferring to broadway no one's surprised
0: no one Everybody was knew it was
1: happening. Ben Platt is transferring. Michaela Diamond is transferring. Gaten Matarazzo is not transferring because he's in Sweeney.
0: I understand. I would make that choice as well.
1: No announcement yet on the rest of the cast, but can probably assume a decent chunk of them are transferring. So that's exciting.
0: It sounds like they're treating it the same way as they treated Into the Woods and that they're announcing a limited run Mm -hmm. to start Mm -hmm. and then they will likely extend throughout yes so i think the extended run is set to end early august so it'll only have like four months as of right now okay yeah so we'll see what happens at the jacobs theater but uh if i'm gattin um sweeney todd is like a guaranteed one year job unless it's absolutely terrible so right i get it i pick that too yeah yeah you get to yeah. be on the cast recording for Sweeney Todd right after Sondheim passes. That'd yeah. be
1: phenomenal. Absolutely. I, I, I would, would take that job. absolutely
0: 100% take that job. Did I already count us in?
1: Did you count did I, us in? Did I already yeah, welcome us into the show? You did. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm a little scrambled right now.
1: <laughs> How are things going, Ryan?
0: They're so good, Cassie. Like, I can't even tell you. They're so good.
1: How are all those middle schoolers that you're directing right now?
0: I am increasingly aware with every rehearsal how many of these students have never done a show before, much less a musical, (laughs) much less a musical as intensive and demanding as Newsies. Yeah. It's quite a bit, it's a lot. Um, My Jack has never done theater before. Well, good job, Jack. Good job landing that. it's. I mean, look, let's be honest, it's middle school theater. There's only so many dudes. It kind of happens. Valid. We are uh, at this point uh, about three weeks out from tech and oh boy, we are still working a lot on this show. This is a big one.
1: It'll come together.
0: It always does. It always does. Mm -hmm. Theater magic. You know what theater magic is, Cassie?
1: What is theater magic, Ryan?
0: Unpaid overtime.
1: (laughs) That one hits me where I live.
0: Yeah, I yeah I felt that one a little bit. Hey, if you are uh, listening along with us, uh, I don't know what's happened for the last five minutes of this show, but if you felt that one, let us know. <laughs> Be in solid- solidarity with us.
1: So I just um, pitched my shows for HYT's next season. My shows were accepted, so we have our season set, but we're not announcing it until oh. June, which means I... I have to keep the secret. The question in the board meeting was, can Karen Walters keep the secret from her child who will be a senior for this season?
0: No, is the answer.
1: But then I was talking to Chase and I was like, but here's the thing, I also am very bad at secrets. I just want to tell the children what we're doing because they're going to be so excited.
0: But you're not supposed to tell the but children I can't, for like six because months, Because we're announcing Cassie. in
1: June. I know. June.
0: Okay, five it's, months. You have to wait five months.
1: It's the earliest we've ever set our season. Like, we should be setting our season this early.
0: Yeah, this is how this works. So for those listening along at home, uh, Cassie uh, runs Horizon Youth Theater single-handedly, and it's terrible, so she has now found help to help run it. <laughs> but... Uh, you guys usually do what three main shows, right? One, one big musical, one play, and then one younger kid show.
1: We're rearranging our schedule slightly this year. So the we're only doing one show in the fall. We usually do two. Mm -hmm. But we're just moving where the second one is going to happen. Sure. So in the fall, we're doing our show for 13 and up that I direct. In the spring, we will do the 6- to 12-year-old production that my dad directs. And then in the summer, we will do the big all-ages musical
0: that I also direct. Which is where that usually goes last year. It kind of got moved around and was different.
1: Yes, because we did a musical, small cast musical in the fall this year.
0: Cassie, I think we found a new bit. A new bit? a new bit
1: i like new bits what's the new bit the
0: the new bit is a i just try to guess your two shows
1: yes each episode shows and if you are correct i will not tell you because i can neither confirm that's the best
0: part is i will guess them every time and the answer will always be no
1: exactly
0: it'll be great now the trick will be that i have to remember to guess different shows every time Right. Okay, so uh, I believe that for your uh, fall play, you'll be returning uh, to your roots to educate the children, uh, and because you are doing Shake Explosion, you really are preparing them to finally perform Playground Titus Andronicus.
1: That is correct. How did you ever guess?
0: I'm really good at my job.
1: The answer is not always going to be no, Ryan. The answer is always going to be yes.
0: Actually, there you go. That's actually That's way better bit. of a bit. There you go. We are discovering the bit as we figure it out. Yep.
1: Playground Titus Andronicus, 100%.
0: There you go. And then for your uh, big summer musicale, I believe also that uh, you are uh, drawing on personal experience and the art that you're working on now to set yourself up for the future. So I believe, as was discussion for the founding of this podcast and as we've talked about it, And uh, done Patreon episodes about it. I believe that you're finally dipping your toe into the waters of High School Musical. How
1: did you figure me out? That's right. Titus Andronicus in High School Musical. That's the season.
0: Done and done. Well, that was a short bit. (laughs) I like this bit. This is a good bit. It's a good bit. It's a a great bit. bit. This is a great bit. Okay, so if we continue this bit and the children listen, because children Mm -hmm. will listen. Yes. Into the Woods Closed, by the way. That was not my segue, but I made it into the woods reference, so I had to acknowledge that Into the Woods is Closed, and there will be a tour, and you will go see it. But Mm -hmm. the children that are listening to this, that perform in your shows, and of course are listening to this, because what else would they be doing with their time and energy? Right, of course. They might revolt, Cassie.
1: They might revolt. They might be, as we say, revolting children.
0: Yes, living in revolting times. I would agree with that. And they also sing revolting songs because, because I have feelings about Matilda and I'm guessing that you do too.
1: I do and I wonder if they're the same feelings.
0: They're not. Um, did you watch this at midnight like or 2 a.m. or whenever Netflix released it? Like I know you were so excited.
1: I was very excited. I was not able to watch it as soon as it dropped because of work things.
0: Boo. Um, And
1: I know, boo. Um, so I actually watched it for the first time like, two days after the fact um, with our friend Kelly Fraley.
0: Shout out, Kelly. We know you listen.
1: Um, So she came over and we sat and we watched Matilda. And personally, I love this musical. I have loved this musical since it came out. Um, I've been obsessed with this musical since it came out in London. And I think that they did a very good job translating this musical to film.
0: I do not like this show I enjoyed this film good so I think I so I think I would actually agree with that right that I think they did this better as a film I still think it has some issues but they addressed my my main problem with the musical which is that the idea of Matilda's story storytelling with the acrobat Um, And that whole thing that I don't think that comes across clearly on the stage. I don't think her powers make sense because they kind of come out of nowhere. And then it just kind of is what it is. And it just feels it feels messy and unfinished to me. But also, I do not have a childhood soft spot for this book or the, the original movie.
1: And I think there is a certain reliance with the musical on you being familiar with the book
0: i I think so yeah
1: um because you're right the musical does not explain her powers at all it just kind of counts on you in the audience going ah yes Matilda has these powers and in the book we do get an explanation of like she's so smart and her intelligence isn't being utilized and so it's like bursting out in other ways right um I will tell you, though, that my favorite character in this entire movie.
0: It's Red Beret Girl.
1: No. Is Eric?
0: Which one's Eric?
1: Eric's the little Asian boy who talks about telekinipsis. The second telekinipsis. this little tiny, <laughs> tiny child says, do you have telekinipsis? He had my whole entire heart forever.
0: It was delightful. That line delivery was delightful.
1: Oh, telekinipsis. It's, it's perfect.
0: I would wear that shirt, like Telecanipsis. That's a pretty good shirt. You put a cup on it. Maybe it's vibrating or something. Love so some it. Some lines coming off it. Yeah. Hey, Chase, make us a shirt. Telecanipsis. By, Telecanipsis. by the Telecanipsis.
1: I I just think so. I do love this book. Um, my fourth grade teacher introduced me to this book, and I adored my fourth grade teacher. And I, you know, we had to do these little like in-person book reports where we would just go up to her desk during reading time if we'd finished a book and we had to just like tell her in a few sentences just like a couple minutes you know what the book was about and and how we liked it which I'm
0: sure you took way too seriously
1: I loved that so much I couldn't wait to go share my favorite books with this teacher that I adored who's surprised raise your hand no one no one no one was surprised that day and so I don't even remember what book it was that I had read that I shared with her and she goes have you read Matilda by Roald Dahl you should read this book you'd really like it and she was right and I read it and I loved it I loved the movie from the 90s with Danny DeVito and Mara Wilson and there were little homages to that movie in this film but not as many as I was expecting
0: I think I've seen that film twice, probably. Um, I'm sure I saw it growing up at some point, but I just don't have that soft spot connection to it, which is interesting. Um, I think this is a good film. I think this is a good yeah. musical film. Is it perfect? No. But I think that's the point of musical films is that they're not supposed to be perfect. But I, I thought that this translated pretty well. I guess I should back up and say... um. I have seen this staged one time on Broadway. I saw the Broadway, um, I don't know, what was that, 20, 2015 probably? Yeah. And I didn't really like it then. I It just felt messy to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep using that word. But the thing that stuck with me were uh, the set pieces and how they use color to show the differences between the Wormwood home and then also the school and how drastic that was the thing i think i missed the most was the uh the letter wall
1: like mm-hmm. the scaling
0: letter wall but they were really clever how they got that alphabet into the set
1: it was i wanted them to be a little bit more clever with it um so there's a there's a song if you're not familiar the song that secured and cemented my love of this soundtrack when i first listened to it it's called the alphabet song and as they it's it's the older kids welcoming welcoming, quote unquote, introducing Matilda and her classmates to Crunchche Hall. and they sing this song about how awful it is and how they need to watch their step because it's a horrible place. And if you're paying attention when you listen to it the first time, you're like, this is kind of an odd cadence to how mm-hmm. they're saying things. this is phrased a little strangely. And then at the end of it, one of the kids in the middle is like, we're supposed to learn the alphabet. And they're like, you better learn to pay attention. And then they sing it again. Only this time they really accentuate all of the downbeats. And the alphabet is worked into the lyrics.
0: And it's very clever.
1: So so the lyrics at the beginning are, so you think you're able to survive this mess by being a prince or a princess you will soon see. So it's like it goes through like that. And it's very, very clever in the stage musical i think they're like picking up these pieces of set that have the letters on them and putting them in this wall
0: yeah it was in the wall and so they were climbing the wall constantly and it was so it was kind of acrobatic and the old, the bigger kids which were actually adults were doing it but mm-hmm. it was very seamless and it was a really really it's a really good example of song being married to set yes. and all of that driving the story. And it's just its just really, really well done and clever. So I'm glad they were able to find a way to do it in the film.
1: Yeah, so in the film, as they're singing those lyrics, they're walking, running down a hallway, and you see the letters labeling each of the classroom doors as they go past. And so as they sing the letter, they're running past the letter, and you see it in the background. And I did like that a lot, but I wish that they hadn't all been classroom
0: doors. I don't think they All were.
1: All the ones at the beginning were and all the ones at the end. And then there's a handful in the middle middle. that are like in the steam closet. I wish they'd done more of that. Like I wish they'd had other kind of like signs in the background.
0: It felt like they had to be a little bit more like, hey, look, we're doing a thing. And then they can kind of get clever. And then they're like, hey, look, the thing is over. Yeah. (laughs) Look at us. Pat on the back. Some of the other things they do, um, they figured out a way to get the swings in there, kind of kind of kind of it worked there was a ferris wheel and a whole carnival and
1: and a giraffe
0: you think that was the best day on set or the worst day
1: <laughs> i don't know it's hard to say
0: depends depends how old you were <laughs> great day for the kids
1: they did they did cut some songs which i think for the most part was fine
0: i didn't miss anything but i'm not nearly as familiar with it
1: they cut most of the Wormwood songs, which they cut a lot of stuff with the Wormwoods, which is okay.
0: That's fine. The Wormwoods were great, um, or in my head, they're um, the uh, American Tenardiers.
1: Yes, that's accurate.
0: And they were great and fantastic and phenomenal, and we didn't need to see them as much as we did. Uh, the Librarian, was that different or added no, um, The Librarian's in that's, the stage version. That's in version. there? Okay. Miss Phelps, I think?
1: Miss Phelps, yeah. So yeah. Delightful. that's that's the other kind of new thing that the musical added to the book storyline is that it has, it introduces us, the reader, to Miss Honey's story before we know that it's Miss Honey's story by being the story that Matilda is telling the librarian that's just yes. coming to her in fits and starts. Mm-hmm. About this, um, these two circus performers, an acrobat and an escapologist, um, who wanted to have a child. And as the story goes along, you start to realize that it's actually the story of Miss Honey and her childhood and Miss Trunchbull. Yep. And Matilda realizes that as well.
0: I've only seen this done once, so it didn't resonate with me, and it didn't stick out to me that it that part had been done well. But I appreciated that they were trying to have a reveal for the audience and I wanted it done better and more cleverly and I think the film did that through the simple fact of Miss Honey's black yeah and Matilda's not so when Matilda's telling this story and the escapologist and the acrobat are black you're not sure if she's making it up or if she's dreaming or if she's whatever but your mind doesn't necessarily go to oh, this kid they're talking about is Miss Honey 20 years ago or whatever. I thought that was really, really clever of a clever way to, to use race in a positive way. And it reminded mm-hmm. me of Spider-Man because they did the same thing in Tom Holland's first Spider-Man movie. Uh, because he the, the girl he ends up dating is black. And then we find out later that her dad is white. And so there's a whole, like, you didn't understand that he was the villain. That whole thing. So it's interesting to watch media use this in a good way that helps tell the story.
1: And one of the elements that they utilized with that story as well is, again, you don't immediately recognize that this is a real life story. You kind of think it's just a story that Matilda is telling herself and Mrs. Phelps to make her Her feel better about the awful home life that she has so she makes up this story about this father who loves his daughter you know with everything and would do anything Mm -hmm. for her and so there's this scene where the little girl has been shut in the cellar and by her evil aunt and her father comes home and he hears her crying and he breaks down the door and there's this great shot where he breaks down the door and you look down the stairs at the girl who's sprawled on the ground and instead of it being the little black girl that you see later when Miss Honey is reliving this memory, it's actually oh. Matilda. Yeah. And it's this and character she's... of this loving father that she's created coming down and holding her and saying, it's okay. I love you. I'm here. And that that was the moment that got me. Like, that, it, that was like, They did that oh.
0: so well. Yes. So well. I think because of how well they did it, that's why I'm saying Yes, this was good because that was that's what the whole musical hinges on because that's what they added. It's the whole point. But they did also really well with Miss Phelps as Matilda's going back and telling her the story. Miss Phelps, the librarian, is very invested in this story because Matilda's a great storyteller and all of these things, and she wants to hear more. But it's also because she cares and she thinks maybe she'll finally get an insight into Matilda's home life. And when it starts to take some negative turns, uh, Miss Phelps gets concerned. For Matilda, not for a little bit about how does the story go, how do we keep going, but like, are you okay? Can I help you? Yeah. They took this very messy thing and they left it messy for a while, but you got to sit in it and live it in it, I think, more than the stage version allows. And then they wrapped it up so cleanly, so cleanly.
1: And someday I am going to direct this musical. Oh, for sure. Someday. Someday. And... I want to see how much of those elements from this movie, the script for the stage version will let me borrow. Sure. Like, I want to see if I can incorporate Matilda herself being the girl in that scene. Mm -hmm. And I'm not familiar enough with the actual script for the stage version to know, like, how much of that is possible. But I do I do really feel like they translated a stage musical to film in a very effective way.
0: I do, too. It was never not trying to be a musical, which I appreciated. Like, it knew mm-hmm. what it was. Um, I did not care for that whole opening number with all the colors and the babies in the hospital and the birthing and the, it being so focused on the Wormwoods. I did not care for it. It was the right choice, but I didn't care for it. That's fair. Like it's just one of those things they have to set it up in a certain way and they have to make it seem like it's surreal or uh, that the world is slightly more than our own for a musical to work because there's all of this singing and some of it is incidental and some of it's not, but it all has to work. And then there's magic. So, you know,
1: and then there's telekinesis.
0: Telekinesis. So this cast was pretty good just across the board. And I know there's been a lot of talk, especially early on in the casting for this. Uh, but uh, Alicia Weir played Matilda delightfully. Um, the best part of this might have been Lashana Lynch Lynch's Miss Honey. Maybe. She was so good. She was really good. But um, I
1: also loved Emma Thompson.
0: Unrecognizable
1: emma thompson was trunchbull phenomenal
0: it was the right choice
1: absolutely phenomenal to do
0: this because originally they so for those of you that don't know madam trunchbull is uh historically a man in drag playing which i don't a role love on stage. so it is it was going to be ray fines at one point i think
1: that sounds and then familiar. there were
0: a couple other names, male names that were attached to this. Uh, and then I think the project got delayed and this has been in development for a while before we finally mm-hmm. got it. Netflix took it. Um, but at some point they, they hard turned and they said, no, we're going to have a woman play Trunchbull. And I think for film, that's the right choice. Because at the end of the day, we all remember John Travolta in Hairspray. Yeah. And whether or not he was good in Hairspray isn't the point. Because I enjoyed it, but it didn't It didn't translate well. It didn't work on film. Well, the and same I, effect that it has on stage.
1: And I don't even love it on stage. Um, this is a larger conversation. But I, I don't like the transcoding of the villain in this particular story. Sure. Um, And I think if Trunchbull wasn't the villain It could be Acceptable in some ways But because Trunchbull is the villain I don't sure. love it personally Um, And When I direct this at some point in the future Will not be Casting the role in drag And that's just my choice So.
0: But Emma Thompson's very good They're, Emma she Thompson's had phenomenal New music right
1: no, those were songs from the show. Those
0: were the songs from the mm-hmm. show. I didn't know if, um, was the Hammer yes. song? That was, okay. I couldn't remember. It sounded slightly, di- I thought it sounded slightly different from everything else, so I wasn't sure. Um, no,
1: the only new song for the film was the very last one.
0: Over the Carnival? Yeah. Gotcha.
1: That was there. we want to be able to submit to best song for an Oscar. So we wrote this new one.
0: Yeah, it won't win. It's fine. It
1: it won't. It wasn't that great. Um, no. It was fine, but it like there are better songs in the show.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, the Wormwoods were spot on. Uh, Stephen Graham played Mr. Wormwood, delightful, loved mm-hmm. it. And Andrea riseboro played Mrs. Wormwood, delightful, loved it, uh, spot on. They barely sung. Yeah, they all. cut
1: so. In the musical, Mrs. Wormwood gets a big song called Loud, um, which is a a nice parallel to Matilda's song in the later half of the show called Quiet. But I understand why they cut it, because it's this whole subplot of her being a competitive dancer and what have you. And then Joy. Mr. Wormwood sings a song called Telly, that's actually the end of intermission into Act two, and so it Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense to cut that song as well because it's a very much like breaking the fourth wall direct conversation with the audience that does not translate to film.
0: Well, so that brings up another point. Um, didn't they cut a whole character?
1: They did, they cut Matilda's brother. So, in the book and the musical, um, Matilda has an older brother named Michael. I think it actually makes sense to cut Michael. It made way more sense. I was very confused. Yeah. He literally contributes nothing. But also... Which is the point. Yes. But also, um, you have Matilda... You you have Matilda's mother not realizing that she's pregnant.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's always
1: been like, okay, but you've you've had a kid. So you should know what it feels like to be pregnant because you've been pregnant before. It makes much more sense for her to be the only child
0: yes i think it works better well and it's it works better because like every time they call her boy and she says i'm a girl like it just hits a little bit better Mm -hmm. or every time they're like they're you know neglectful or forgetful or whatever like it makes way more sense when when matilda's like you didn't you forgot to send me to school well doesn't her older brother go to school like yeah haven't they done this so all of that made way more sense I was confused at the very beginning when they were like, and you gave birth to a girl. And I was like, don't they have a kid? Wasn't this the boy? Like, don't they have a brother? So that confused me a little bit. And then I got there. But then I couldn't decide, like, like the Wormwoods aren't great parents. Like, that's not the point. I like that they were portrayed as inept and not abusive. And I think that could be a fine line here. True. Especially when it's only one kid. True. True. Um, And I I kept waiting for it to fall off into that, like there's abuse or there's some kind of something, and it was not that. It was just,
1: it's neglect,
0: neglect and not caring. Yeah. But also the, then they show up at the school at the end to get Matilda before they leave for Spain. I'm like, you don't have another kid. You have the one kid. I think you guys would have just left. I don't know like it was just it was just strange enough that it didn't feel like they were standing their ground like the the film wasn't standing their ground on what this dynamic was cuz then Miss Honey's fair. like well I'll keep her I'm like okay great but that's how the story goes it's the best for everybody but I did miss the russians
1: I for- had forgotten completely about the russian subplot in this stage musical until I was reading an article on theater mania today that was like these are the differences between the film and the musical Uh and it's like the film cut the russians and i'm like i'd forgotten about the russians
0: i did miss the russians they had about a thousand kids but no russians
1: no russians
0: and it's somehow a better story because of it so if matilda is ultimately about what then cassie like if you were going to sum it up like what is what is this film trying to do what's the what's the point
1: What's the point? Can't it just what's be the fun, point? Ryan?
0: No, it can't just be fun. It's, there's money behind it, and we're very woke now, and everything has a stance, including your favorite brand of ketchup. So what's the point of Matilda?
1: For me, Matilda is a story about found family and about finding your place in the world. You can't choose the family that you're born into, but you can choose the people who make your life worthwhile.
0: I'd agree with that. Uh, I think it's also about making sure you don't end up in the Um uh, That seems also make important. sure you
1: don't end up in the chokey and yeah. maybe if you're smart enough, you'll find out that you have telekinesis.
0: Yeah, we can only hope. It does seem like uh, a story with a point, a film that they're you know trying to say something with, but at times, is just fun. Like, there's just parts of this, I'm like, this is just fun. Like, I don't know why we're watching this almost, like, old-timey hospital opening where everything is all these bright colors and it's all fluorescent and all over the place. And I'm like, am I in, Is this is the wrong rolled doll? Am I in Willy Wonka? What's happening?
1: Or the song with all the sequin jackets and flashing lights while a kid eats some cake.
0: Look, they made some choices. Mm-hmm. They made some choices. But we're trying to kind of springboard and segue our way into um, a a different conversation. Uh, An article came out on Theater Mania. It kind of brought up this idea of can Broadway just be for fun? Like, can we do a show that's just fun?
1: Yeah. Does everything have to have a larger point? Does everything have to have some kind of message? Can't we just go and be entertained? I thought this was a really fascinating question in high school I took a class called humanities
0: oh the humanities
1: which was a really strange class for my school to offer and they very rarely offered it but we had a very artistic senior class that year I was a sophomore and so they pushed it to have the class offered and so humanities was basically like we're going to look at how humans have creatively expressed themselves the entire time we've existed Sure. So we spent some time talking about, like, music theory and music history and some time about, like, actual physical visual art and talking about theater and, and all these sorts of things. And one of the very first classes, we had this great big discussion about what is the purpose of art? Why does it exist? Why do we make it? Why do we create sure and we we read some article to help facilitate this conversation but we also like came up with our own list and you know we had this huge huge list of of the purpose of art is to entertain but it is also to educate it is to inform it is to provoke to inspire to sell you know like mm-hmm. there are multiple multiple purposes that any piece of art can have And so this was a really fascinating question for me to to read through this article on Theater Mania because they make a lot of good points. There aren't a lot of shows that we see on Broadway anymore that are just there for fun. Mm -hmm. Though I would argue that that's not entirely true. Peter Pan Goes Wrong is coming to Broadway.
0: I'm so excited. And
1: I haven't seen that show, but I know enough about the Goes Wrong series that like there is no larger point to that piece of work
0: it's just a good time. Like maybe you can get around with like, Hey, we're gonna maybe kind of sort of have a point. They'll maybe they'll try to get, uh, into the racism of Peter Pan, or maybe they'll try to, uh, address, you know, uh, feminism, or maybe they'll try to educate about technical theater and the theatrical process of creating art and whether art is good or bad. If it is, not polished and perfect like i don't know but i'm grasping at straws here because i've seen the play that goes wrong and that is a good time and not much more
1: well and here's the thing ryan as anybody who's been to college can tell you you can bs your way into finding a point to anything
0: i've written several of those papers
1: me too and so, yeah, you can find deeper meaning, but do you know why there was a great big dead tree as part of the set for Waiting for Godot?
0: This is my, this is my favorite story.
1: This is my favorite story, too. This tree this so good. That, that so many people have written critical analysis essays of that have, have pointed out this is the symbolism of the dead tree. Do you know why the tree was there?
0: Why was the tree there, Cassie?
1: There was a hole in the stage, Ryan. There's a hole in the stage and they needed to cover it up.
0: That's the most tech theater thing possible, too. The, the number of times that have been like, well, this thing is this color now. Why? Because that's the can of paint we had. Or this set clearly has to go over here. Why? Because the other side of the stage doesn't have enough room on it. Like, this is just how this goes because it's the only way yeah. it's going to work.
1: And it's not that you can't find symbolism in those things. It's not that the dead tree doesn't have symbolism.
0: Right. As soon as you put the tree on stage, it's part of the show. So it's saying something or interpreted as something. And we're getting very academic and a slightly hoity-toity here. But like we also like you and I have done this. It's very interesting to do theater, for-profit theater or like high-level regional or community theater with adults. Like, that's one thing. Because that's, yeah, well, we're here, we're taking our time, we're this, we're this, we're this. It is a whole nother thing to have this conversation when you're talking about youth theater. Can, oh, yeah. Can those shows just be for fun? Do the 12-year-olds need to make a point?
1: Listen, I'm directing a show this summer called Explosion.
0: Which I'm very excited to see.
1: It is all 37 of Shakespeare's plays in 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, what's the point, Cassie?
1: I might be the point kind of is Shakespeare's cool and not as scary as you think.
0: That's a, that's a pretty good point.
1: But like, cause there, there, there's literally the ending scene of, of Shakespeare's They're just gotten done talking about all the comedies and how similar all the comedies are and how easy it is to confuse the storylines. And one of the narr- narrators actually says like, well, what's the point? Why perform it at all? And then everybody starts launching into these famous Shakespeare monologues that are beautiful and lyrical. And then like that's the point. That's, that's, the, why. Point. The, that's the point. Because the language is beautiful.
0: Because we need to hear these stories, right?
1: Yeah. But like I think about I think about the shows that I've done and, and I have said this multiple times as I direct for Horizon. I do like art that says something. I like theater that has a message that can be imparted. But I also recognize that the kids want to have fun. Yep. I want the kids to have fun. I want to do fun shows. I want the audiences to have fun. So, yeah, we're going to put a message and a moment about consent and choice into our production of Cinderella. But if you just want to come watch Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, you can do that.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's a fine line. And it's a line I run into all the time especially directing these famous musicals that are junior versions, and there's very, very little room for uh, adjustment, right? Everything's very specific in these juniors. And how can we get the point of the story across without changing or adding or adjusting or whatever we have to do, and everything's so tight? And I want the students to learn and have fun to the point that Maybe that's the reason we do these shows It's maybe it's not for the audience. Maybe it's for the students to learn and to complete the process and to do all of these things. And I, I land there often. But also, I did Legally Blonde Jr. And there's sexual assault in that show. And I had 12-year-olds perform it. Like, And there's no way around that that's there for a reason and that's there on purpose. But I don't want to minimize theater having a point like I don't want these kids to learn that theater is just fun because it's not we've told stories on stage for thousands of years for a reason
1: right and and that's something that I do try to drive home with my students as well Is like yes we're here to have fun we're here to have a good time but we are doing this play at this time for a reason like this is the reason I chose it this is the reason why this story is important to me Honk is a fun, silly musical with a tap-dancing cat that is the story of the ugly duckling. But it is also a story that says that the words that we use to talk about other people matters. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's what I think is important to remember in this conversation is, first of all, that nobody can tell you how to interact with art. Like, nobody can tell you what your takeaway should or shouldn't be. It's up to each individual person.
0: Unless you're an English professor.
1: (laughs) They can try. (laughs) But they'll be wrong. Um, And and secondly, that multiple purposes can exist at the same time. Hmm. It's not all one thing or another thing.
0: Which I think is really the closest reflection to life that we're going to get. Like mm-hmm. it, this idea of multiple thoughts living at the same time, multiple viewpoints living at the same time, multiple reasons for doing something or not doing something. Like it is really easy to want students to do something cleanly. That may not be the best preparation for them. And I think I think clean, doing something cleanly and doing something with excellence are two different things. But like at the end of the day, we tell these stories not because we can wrap them up with a perfect little bow and everything's great. I mean, that's a lot of the Golden Age musicals, but those were also often much more fun, right? In yeah. The, the recent revival of Music Man kind of does the same thing. right? It's just fun. Why are we telling this story? It's fun. It's Americana. It's Slice of Life. It's whatever you want to call it. We know these songs. We know this music, so we're going to put it on stage. But then they did Oklahoma. hmm And I do not like that script or that show. But I respect what they did with it
1: yeah. a lot. And it's also important to remember that no two people are going to see the same show. Like mm-hmm. even if they're in the audience at the same time, everything that makes you part of who you are contributes to your experience. And I think Matilda is a perfect example of that, talking about you and me. Because mm-hmm. you've said you approached seeing the show with a no real connection to the story mm-hmm. prior to that. Whereas I have a huge connection to that story because I read about this this very intelligent 10-year-old girl who didn't quite fit in or understand what her place in the world was. And I mm-hmm. saw a lot of myself in that character. Sure. And so not the home life. I have a fantastic family in home life. They love me a lot, and I love them very, very much. Just want to I'm be very just, clear about that.
0: I want to be very clear <laughs> that I'm picturing your parents as the Wormwoods now, and I really need no. this to happen, Cassie. When no. you cast when you cast this show and you do this show with all children, I need you to cast your parents as the Wormwoods. Thank you. Okay. All um, children except the Wormwoods.
1: Except the Wormwoods, who will be played by Keith and Wendy Guyon.
0: I will be the first one in line for tickets.
1: <laughs> Beautiful.
0: But sorry, I will be I will be like third or fourth in line behind your siblings.
1: Yes, yes, that's valid. But the character of Matilda and Matilda's story was very resonant to me as a child, and so getting to see that. Brought to life on stage, I had that very strong connection to it. And so that's the other important thing to remember is that you're all going to have a different experience with this art than the person next to you is having.
0: It's just how it's going to go. Part of it is to, like, with revivals, you know, why do we tell this story again right now? We've talked about, like, what do you change or what do you adjust or how do you make your show fit these times with the script and everything. Um, And I think that is really where this idea of, well, if we're going to, especially on Broadway, like Broadway level, if we're going to sink millions of dollars into telling this story, why are we telling it now? And I think that trickles down through regional and local theater, um, like to the extent that I'm I'm currently in the audition callback process uh, for Streetcar, A Streetcar Named Desire, which is wildly applicable at the present time so that's theater with a point and it's not like that's not a fun show that's a very serious show but it's taking something old and putting a fine point on why we want to tell it now which is why Shakespeare continues to be relevant
1: exactly I gotta tell you it's the question I I dread the most from uh David DuPont when he comes to do his write-ups for mm-hmm. the, for the shows, yep. he almost always, if he takes the time to like sit down with me and ask me questions, sure. he almost always asks like, "Why this show right now?" And sometimes I have a really, really good answer.
0: I'm sure you do. And sometimes,
1: and sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man. I wanted to do Midsummer. Like it's a, it's just fun. Midsummer is fun.
0: I really wanted to see a 14 year old wear a donkey mask.
1: Yeah, like I
0: hadn't seen that in a while, and I missed it.
1: So yeah. I think it's an important question, and I think there isn't an easy answer, but the short answer is yes, theater can just be fun.
0: Theater can just be fun.
1: It shouldn't always be just fun. You shouldn't always just eat cotton candy, but every once in a while, it is fine to just have a show that you go and see because you just like it.
0: Yeah, sure can.
1: Unless that show is Cats, in which case, pick a better show.
0: Your opinion is invalid. Cats is terrible. Yeah, you don't. That doesn't count. No, 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 no. Stop. Stop. Reverse. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Stop, please. And I know Paris the ghost agrees with me. So that's all three of us against you and your invalid opinion. For those of you listening, I don't know who out there with my voice in your ears right now needs to know that cats is bad.
1: But cats bad.
0: Cats bad. Like, just got to drive that point home. And that seems like a great place to end the show. (laughs) I agree.
1: I think we've uh, gotten all we can out of this topic.
0: If you walk away from this episode with one thought. Cats bad. Cats bad. Cats bad. Dogs? The sequel? Could be good. I don't know.
1: Cats bad and coming to you this fall. Playground Shakespeare, Titus Andronicus.
0: Look, you can do like the whole chef scene with like the lunch ladies and the tables and the little trays like this could work like you don't know what's in that mash or that pudding or that whatever you know and then maybe somebody packed their own lunch like look this has, uh, this there's has legs. potential. there's, there's potential. potential here it could be really good could be really good <laughs> thanks for coming along with us by the Ghostlight uh, we uh, are part of the Ghostlight Media Network and you can find them at Ghostlightmedia.net, uh, as well as all the other fine shows on the network. Shows like Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop, which I think they just did like their seventh or eighth version of Pokemon. So they've got some opinions on some Pokemon. And uh, Cassie can tell you more about the worst Pokemon.
1: Can I? Is it the fish one?
0: The fish one. Yeah, let's go with that. I love it.
1: I don't Pokemon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just kind of wanted to see which one you were going to pull out of thin air.
1: There's one called it's a magic Is that a Pokemon?
0: Great work, The fish. Cassie. Yep, the fish that yeah. just flops okay. around. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, thanks.
0: Yep, good job.
1: <laughs> I get some things through osmosis.
0: I think that's it for us. We're we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll probably talk about uh, more about newsies as I'm uh, getting closer to staging and Cassie's getting ready to start Adam's family.
1: Yep. And if you want to hear more of me and Ryan talking about things that are a little too unhinged for our regular podcast, uh, we are the Patreon episode this month. So that,
0: that we are. So you can support our network over at Uh All the other shows are on the rotation for the Patreon episodes. And uh, this month is our turn. So we're going to do something.
1: We don't know yet. We got to figure it
0: out. We'll get there. That's all for us today. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by The Ghostlight.
1: This has been a Ghostlight Media production.